Hey, sickos. I'm LJ. And I'm Tao. And this is... Say Psycho right now. Welcome back, friends. Yes, yes. Last week, we brought you the story of Eastern <laughs> She's Airlines. She's like, what the fuck did we bring you? What we the brought fuck? you planes. We did bring <laughs> you planes. And you know what we're bringing you right now? This is Toby having flown in on a plane to me. From the future. From the future. (laughs) Actually, from the past. From From the the future and the past. (laughs) Because we lost part of our recording. We had to re-record this. Yeah. From the past. From the past. But you'll be hearing this in the future. Okay. So buckle up, kitty cats. It's about to get crazy in here. I think LJ's dipped into the sangria. (laughs) I have had far too much bleach on my head today. (laughs) Okay, friends. So, yeah, last week we brought you the story of Eastern Airlines. Today, we have got an open case. It's ongoing. This is very big in the media right now. We do record in advance, but I... Do not anticipate that by the time this episode airs that there will be any major shifts in this case right now. For those of you who have been following it, this case is going to be on Lindsay Clancy. You may or may not be familiar, but Lindsay Clancy was mother of three, and she is currently inpatient right now. I'll go into all the details of her case, essentially. But she has murdered her three children. I'm going to... I know. It's just an awful, heartbreaking, all-around, just, like, sad, heavy case. So, again, you know, we've said here before on the podcast that, really, you're in a space where the whole podcast is the trigger warning. But I will let you know that some topics that we're going to cover today include mention and discussion of mental illness, postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, the murder of 
minor children, um, self-harm, attempted suicide. If you are not in a headspace where you can handle those topics, that is okay. Just know that this episode is going to cover those things at length. So if this is not the right episode for you, the good news is we have plenty of other content. Some of it's a little more lighthearted, like paranormal. We have a little bit of diversity here. So feel free to just skip to something else. It's fine. And there will be other cases for you. But if you need to tap out of one, there is no shame in that. This is going to be a heavy case. So I just want to give that disclaimer. Yeah, absolutely. No shame in yeeting on out of here right about now. Yeah, because we're going to start it right about now. So, <laughs> Lindsay Clancy. And I just want oh, to sorry, say, go ahead. Like, I must be living under a rock because I know nothing about this case. So, so you know, it's me. funny because you're covering the Murdoch mu- murders in our upcoming live. And, like, I know that this case is ongoing and it's been going on, obviously. But it just seems like it's so expansive that I haven't oh, like is. looked into it at all because I'm like, oh, that's just a rabbit hole. Like it I don't have is. time to it go. It's such a fucking rabbit yeah. hole. Let me. Tell I'm you literally that. like relying on you. <laughs> I've been balls deep in this case yeah. for days. Yeah, and that's how I feel about this Lindsay Clancy case. It's like you know, sometimes when there are really big cases like this, it's nice to just have somebody do all the heavy lifting, and you just like get the information that way and so today i'll be that for you and then on the murdoch murders you can be that for me and then we'll kind of get each other up to speed but uh, yeah this one is ongoing right now this is very very recent as i'm recording this the date is march 12th of 2023 and i will review a timeline with you all at length so you can really get a feel for exactly how recent this is but first i'm going to go into a little bit of a background about Lindsay, because i feel like this background is important not just in this case but in all cases i like to give a detailed background on the killers and the victims as much as is possible so that we can you know hopefully not just go into these cases with an idea of what we think happened and just spiral down confirmation bias but really get a feel for who these people were, what happened. Um, just like we're, we were on jury, you know, especially in these ongoing cases, these are great opportunities to treat yourself as a juror, go in with no knowledge, no information, and see what you think. Like, can we prove this beyond reasonable doubt? And in this case, there's no question about it. Lindsay murdered her children. Right. The question that we're really needing to answer here is was she guilty to the point like is she was she sane at the time that these murders were committed is what we should be asking um the mental capacity to understand what she was doing exactly exactly and that's going to be the big thing around this case there is so much controversy with this case in the media right now. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this before we even really get into the case. You are allowed to have opinions, okay? Now, me personally, I am reviewing this information as it comes out. I have looked at this case probably more thoroughly than a lot of people because I want to present accurate information. At this time, I do not personally have an opinion 
on whether we can say that she did or did not have the mental capacity to like be within her right mind at the time of these murders. Mm-hmm. I would not feel comfortable making yeah. that call with the information we have available right now. So okay. it's okay if you think that she had the mental capacity. It's okay if, you know, you lean on the other side of things where you think that she was mentally ill. But what I will say is that in the comments when we're talking about this case, please remember, okay, these are real people. This is a real ongoing case. We've got a mother who is hospitalized and mentally clearly I think we can all agree at the bare minimum she is unwell, bitch. <laughs> unwell, yeah. okay? And then we've also, arguably more importantly, got a husband who now has, you'll come to find, a paralyzed wife, impatient, oh and pending trial for the murder of their three children. He has just had to bury his three children. He's lost his children, lost his spouse, and he's the and one that, on the outside. Was that all of their children? Do they have any surviving yeah. children? Unfortunately, oh, no. God. Yeah, very heartbreaking. This man has lost everything, and he's the one who I'm worried about. He's the one who's going to see the comments on different things that are covered, and it would be tasteless to drag the family in the midst of tragedy whether you believe she's guilty or not guilty ultimately this man in particular deserves better than you know a bunch of online hate so this is not the platform where we're going to be facilitating that yeah and i mean postpartum psychosis postpartum depression it's real exactly and we're going to go into postpartum depression and psychosis a bit just to give some people who might not have firsthand experience some information as well i think we have some pretty expansive research here is that's going to be helpful in really getting people to have a better understanding of this case for sure okay so hey friend perfect so we're going to start with the background of lindsay clancy This woman was born in 1990 in Duxbury, Massachusetts. She grew up in Wellington, Connecticut, and went on to graduate from Linman High School. She went to Quinnipiac University in 2012, where she received a degree in biology. And in 2016, she married... Patrick Clamsey in Southington. Now, Lindsay, she went on to professionally be a labor and delivery nurse at Massachusetts General Hospital. And Something you'll remember about I, I just, just said this even yeah. more sad. Like, thank you. Uh, yeah, because go on. I don't know. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't be talking like before I've even heard the full story, but. <laughs> Just something about her being a labor and delivery nurse, I think, I don't know. That just, that gets you. I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, because I mean, I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just from 
when I found that out early on, you think of labor and delivery nurses. These are going to be people who have a heart for babies, for children, mm, for, yeah. you know. And for moms. Self, yeah, and for moms. And they're going to be generally people who are selfless caregiver types. You know what I mean? Like, mm, and, yeah. and we'll come to find that many people have that to say about Lindsay, that this is just something that they never would have expected for her. Just so, so sad and so unexpected. Um, right. Now, Patrick and Lindsay, like I said earlier, they were married in 2016, right? Now, they okay. had three children. The first was born in 2018. It's a little girl named Cora. She would have been five at the time that all of this happened. In 2020, so two years later, she gave birth to Dawson, who would have been a three-year-old little boy at the time of the tragedy. And then finally, there is a little boy born in 2022, just eight months old at the time of this instance, and his name was Callan. Now, yeah, it's just so heartbreaking, just this young little family and you know you you hear the stories about what they were like yeah. before all of this tragedy and we're they baby just seem people to be, too we're, oh we're baby my God, people we're we love such babies. baby people we love babies we love kids i have yeah. two toes like queen auntie you know what i yeah, mean I like all day's a mom i'm not but I take everybody else's kids not in a weird way that sounded weird not in a weird way she <laughs> like amicably borrows children amicably. <laughs> I just made you sound like it. Michael Jackson but... <laughs> no but we, we love kids we, we love kids we're kid people we're baby people absolutely so you know something that uh, I found interesting that I just want to go into before we even get into like the nitty-gritty of the case I just want to talk about postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis a little bit. And I feel like this is important because one, it provides some context for, you know, one stance of the case. There are essentially two stances here. We know she killed the children, right? Has she killed? I mean, we know that for a fact. Like, she confessed... Oh, we yeah, she confessed. She confessed. She admitted immediately when she was found. And I'll get into that a little bit more. But yes, we one hundred ten percent. It is not in question whether or not she killed the kids. We know okay. what we do not. Where there is divide from the people following this case is mm-hmm. criminally. Is it was? She, is it murder? Oh, because murder has to be premeditated, yeah. right? And murder does not have to be premeditated. Okay. But in order to be found guilty of murder, and essentially not have the insanity plea in your favor okay i'm sorry let me let me rephrase that so if you file an insanity plea right okay what that insanity plea what the your defense needs to be able to prove is that at the time of the murder because of a mental deficit or illness that you were not of sound mind to either know what you were doing or to understand the capacity of your actions and that they were wrong 
because of that mental deficit okay. or illness. Right. If they can prove that because of your mental state, you did not understand that it was wrong, that you were not able to understand the extent of your actions and what you were doing in that moment, then you can have the benefit of the insanity plea, which generally doesn't mean that you're going to be off the hook. It's just a difference of, are you going to be somebody who is looking at life in prison? Right. Are you going to be somebody who's facing the death penalty? Are you going to be somebody who is potentially looking at life in an institution? These are the things that's going to determine. So that's more what we're talking about here in this case is not whether or not she did it, but whether or not she was of mental capacity to fully understand her actions at the time that this took place. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So before we go into all the nitty gritty, let's do a quick rundown on this postpartum depression. Because like I was saying, not only is it going to help us understand what postpartum depression and psychosis are for the context of you know, seeing what side of the fence that you're on in this case. But also, I think it's just so important because our audience is not exclusively women, but it is predominantly women. And although people talk about postpartum depression and psychosis more openly now than ever before, I still find myself like getting frustrated when I hear people talking about it. Sometimes they still just call it you know, postpartum, if they talk about it, I'm like, every woman who gives birth has a postpartum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But let's call it what it is. It is postpartum depression. It is postpartum psychosis. And it is harmful to the mother. It is harmful to mother's bond with baby. And just to that, that whole experience, it's something different and independent of a postpartum experience postpartum depression and psychosis are entirely separate and we need to talk about risk factors for postpartum depression and psychosis and what those things might present as so that as women as Mm -hmm. people we can recognize these symptoms and treat them as family members we can support those who are experiencing this because I personally have had two children and unfortunately I had tremendous postpartum depression after both of my pregnancies and um, without going into too much detail because this case is not about me I, I never harmed my children obviously but you get to a point in postpartum depression mm-hmm. where you can have serious intrusive thoughts that are highly disturbing right and if we don't talk about that if we don't acknowledge that as people people will not come forward with their experiences and get the treatment that they need before a tragedy like this takes place and so that's why we it's necessary to give this background today yeah it's so important and i think you know i i can't i can only speculate as to what the people in her life might have been thinking but you know she i'm sure they thought oh well she's a labor and delivery nurse she has it all together you know yeah this is her third time she's she's a pro you know i'm sure those were probably among the things that people were thinking and it's not the case yeah and i mean especially if you're in a position 
like hers where you're a labor and delivery nurse, I mean, you're also probably going to have that pressure or that feeling that, like, I should have it together. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like, I know that this is, you know, postpartum depression or psychosis. And in her case, you'll see that she made efforts to seek treatment, but she was not really improving. And I'm sure that must have been very isolating for her as well. So what would... We're going to start going into the postpartum depression and psychosis, and then we'll get into her actual case here. So right now, I am looking at an article from Very Well Family. I do want to credit this article. It was It's called Causes and Risk Factors of Postpartum Depression. It was written by Miss Wendy Wisner. And it was medically reviewed by Carly Snyder, MD. So it's a very reputable source. Yes, definitely. So when we talk about the causes of postpartum depression or psychosis, some of the things that can be treating factors are, you know, hormonal causes. After you give birth, your body is obviously going through a tremendous amount of changes And those changes are going to be in very quick succession. Um, You're going to be seeing differences in hormones such as estrogen and progesterone. Um, During pregnancy, your levels of estrogen and progesterone are extremely high. And then within the first few days after birth, those do start to really plummet. Um, And... Yeah, so you're going to be seeing, like, a drastic afterbirth hormone shift. Now, not only that, but in addition to estrogen and progesterone, postpartum, your levels of thyroid hormones can actually dip as well. And if that dip is sharp, some things to look out for would be you know, feelings of fatigue, sluggishness, depressed mood. I know that in my case... Um, I reported some of these things to my doctor, like my obstetrician in the days following giving birth, and they tested my thyroid. And I do not have an ongoing thyroid Hmm. problem, but after pregnancy, there was something wrong with my thyroid that was really, um, but your thyroid is very delicate. And, um, you know, at first, yeah, yeah, at first they had put me on like antidepressants and that almost like spiraled me into like almost more of a postpartum psychosis. And then they had to rush discontinue it, run thyroid labs. And then they determined, Hey, you know, this isn't just postpartum depression. I mean, it is postpartum depression, but the root cause is your thyroid. So the thyroid medication in my case is what ended up helping me Thank so goodness. definitely if you're experiencing those things absolutely ask and them that to check your you know the scary part is is how differently that could have ended if you didn't have a competent provider absolutely and because i did you know my story is different Thank than some Lord other folks maybe state of florida absolutely yeah <laughs> florida healthcare is wild but yeah in my case they were definitely able to get that under control so you know, definitely before you even try antidepressants, and I'm not saying don't try antidepressants, but ask them to just run a thyroid panel. Because if it's your thyroid, then putting you on something that is for your brain chemistry is not going to be adequate. It could actually do more harm than good. 
and spiral you in the opposite way on the chemicals that are working for you. And that's obviously counterintuitive and not what we want. So when in doubt, check your thyroid first, and then you can always start the antidepressants right away as soon as that thyroid panel comes back. But something to keep in mind. So aside from say, that, that's impressive, LJ. I feel like I feel dumb now that we went from the plane episode to you rattling off all this scientific information. This is this is pretty. I mean, it's just because I'm sickly. But thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be that for you guys today. Redeeming oh. yourself on this episode. God, from, from not knowing what wheels are. <laughs> Yeah, I do like the simple words sometimes, yeah. but when it comes to medical jargon, just because no, she's like literally basically a doctor. I I don't know about that by any stretch, but oh, yeah, I guess something we can't that say you guys, that the that's people might take no, that seriously. Do not, not a doctor. I promise doctor. you, I am not a doctor at all. But, but she's like she's because, like my primary care provider. <laughs> It's just like I unfortunately have had to advocate for myself mm, and my kids yeah. medically in ways that like have not been fun. Um, you know, I won't go into all the nitty gritty, but I mean, I just got a diagnosis of something that we've been trying to sort out for literally 10 years. And because mm -hmm. of that, like I've had to read up on things, advocate for myself, and I just have like a weird cornucopia of medical knowledge that i wish i didn't have but i she do sure so does. here we are <laughs> it comes yeah. in handy from time to time you know it does it, it's helpful in you know getting people some information that can help them advocate for themselves and in this case i feel like that's especially important because if nothing else comes from this case you know i certainly hope that you know some people will maybe be able to better identify their own risk factors yeah. and know what to do to seek treatment, which actually is a perfect segue because the next thing I do want to talk about here is, you know, the risk factors for postpartum pregnancy and psychosis. Go for it. So yeah, we've got a list that I'm just going to run down through here. This list is from the same website. I, I give direct credit to them as previously stated. We have a previous experience of postpartum depression. Separately, I found on WebMD earlier that postpartum depression is 27 to 46 times more likely during subsequent pregnancy for mothers who experienced postpartum depression after previous birth. Interesting. So Lindsay is somebody who had postpartum depression in earlier pregnancies. And it seems that it escalated, you know, with her pregnancies. Right. So that's just an interesting thing to keep in mind. Going down this list of risk factors on the original site that we were referencing, we have a history of depression or other mental illness, a family member who has had clinical depression or postpartum depression. So there's genetic risk factor as well. An experience of depression during pregnancy or postpartum depression. I'm sorry, prepartum depression. Recent life stresses, problems in your marriage or partnership, lack of support system or support networks, a complicated or difficult pregnancy, a recent job loss, financial strain, or financial stress, parenting a baby who is sick, has health issues, or other special needs, birthing multiples. So when they say multiples, they mean like twins, triplets, twins like multi-child birth. Yeah. yeah. 
particularly difficult breastfeeding challenges, hmm. increased stress about childcare and or returning to work, having a baby with a difficult temperament, such as a baby with colic, or having an unplanned pregnancy. This source um, goes on to talk about preventing postpartum psychosis. And it seems like, you know, they're saying if you have a history of bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, or a history of postpartum psychosis, that your healthcare provider is probably going to be more likely to urge a proactive approach in those instances where they can give like a certain certain therapies depending on your case, mm-hmm. like medical, medicinal treatment, stuff like that, that they can do for moms who have that type of history to potentially prevent postpartum psychosis from occurring. One thing that they talk about is lithium treatment, which is also safe for breastfeeding mothers. It very strongly recommends that you consult with a psychiatrist and your OBGYN both to kind of coordinate that care plan. But it it does seem like, you know, is postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis completely preventable? No, but identifying the risk factors and knowing the symptoms to look out for those are going to be the things that can maybe help reduce the likelihood of, you know, devastating effects of postpartum depression or psychosis. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now from here, I'm going to go into the actual line of events, essentially. Okay. Uh, so we're going to start on October 25th, 2022. This is three months before the Clancy children were murdered. Lindsay Clancy wrote a note on her phone saying that she resents her other children because they prevent her from cheating Cal like her first baby. She said she knows it's not fair, but the night before when Cora got home from school, she felt depressed and knew it would rub off on the kids, and she wants to have a better connection with all of her kids and also have more kids eventually. Then from November to December, it's noted that she had rapid changes of medication. Over 13 medications were trialed during this period, which that's a very significant amount of trial medication in a very brief time window. Because you're going to want these medications to build up in your system for a couple of weeks. Usually, you should be on these medications for about a month, you know, see how they're doing. And if they're not working for you or the side effects are troubling, then you would want to be weaned out as directed by your medical provider. And then reintroduce something so that you're not having, you know, multiple side effects from different medications, withdrawals from medications, things of that nature. I'm going to read off a list of just some of the medications that Lindsay was prescribed in the eight months prior to the Clancy children's murders. We have Ambien, Clonopin, Valium, Prozac, Lamectal, Adam, Remeron, Seroquel, and Trazodone. That's just some. That's not even a comprehensive list of the things that she trialed in the eight-month period. That is, that's a lot. It's a lot. And not, 
not only is it a lot, but some of those medications are, you know, pretty historically known for being strong medications. I mean, Ambien, Valium, Clonopin, those will lay you on your ass. I know this because my late husband, unfortunately, he suffered from bipolar that was severely medication resistant. Mm -hmm. And that came with a lot of medication trials of his own. And the side effects from some of these are very troubling. Uh, Sure. Yeah, they're just, they're not medications that you take because you're feeling a little down most of these you know these are intense medications and to take that many rapid succession concerns to begin with so i'll just say that right so that's from november to december again that list that i read you was in the eight months prior to the killings, but it is noted that within the november to december period that there were rapid changes of over 13 medications that were trialed that list does include some of those medications, but not all. Now, January 1st, Lindsay recognized that she was mentally not well. She, she knew this. So she checked herself into McLean Psychiatric Hospital for five days for assistance. Um, she said that she felt that she was on too much medication, and she felt as though she was possibly becoming addicted to the benzodiazepines that have been prescribed. Okay. Yeah. In mid-January, Patrick, Lindsay's husband, asked Lindsay if she was still having suicidal thoughts, and Lindsay said that she was not. On January 21st, Patrick, Lindsay, and the kids, they loaded up. They went to visit Lindsay's family, and they Mm -hmm. also ran some grocery errands while Lindsay's mom watched the kids. Everything was reported to seem normal, and the text exchanges that she had after she left with her mom, sorry, after she left with Patrick, but the text exchange was between her and her mom, those also seemed normal. As a matter of fact, Lindsay's mom texted her on January 22nd, so the following day, and she asked Lindsay how the ride home went. and. She then replied, she being Lindsay's mom, said, enjoyed seeing everyone this weekend. It's nice to see you doing better. So we have a firsthand account here from somebody who is with her on January 22nd, which is two days before the murders, reporting that Lindsay seemed to be doing better, not worse. You know, at least from what they could tell. Which is, oh God, that's just. Isn't it heartbreaking? I I'm mean, sorry, say again, when when was this in relation to the murders? Two days prior. Two days prior. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then the next section of my timeline, we are two days later. So we're at the day of the murders. And I'm going to talk you guys through the exact timeline of things because I think you'll be of the same mind that we're going to identify a very sudden shift here, okay? So, Tuesday, January 24th, 2023, Cora, that's the middle child, she would have, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's the the oldest child, the middle was Dawson. So, Cora, the five-year-old, she was taken to the pediatrician by Lindsay. Dawson 
and Cora, after that, built a snowman with mom outside. Right. They texted photos to Lindsay's mom, and the interaction seemed very normal. It seemed just like a normal day. You know, she took Cora to the pediatrician. The baby went down for a nap, and they were able to have some playtime outside in the snow. Oh, um, you know, when you're severely depressed, it's hard to do those types of things. Sure. So to everybody else, I'm sure it seems that she is doing well. I now I, I don't know. I was not there, but I can say that you know, somebody who has experienced postpartum depression, that you can appear to be well because you're, you know, do, giving everything that you can because you know what you should be doing and right. so it's like you're masking almost like yeah. this is what's expected of me this is what I need to do to be a good mom for people to see that I'm a good mom and then you know you just kind of yeah because there's so much pressure until you too can. like you know nobody ever sees it as okay there's you know a, a biological imbalance going on here they're like oh she's a bad mom Right, and and in cases where we're talking about postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's a hormonal or thyroid yeah. or I mean, you it's, know, it's, it's, it's a biological. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a biological thing, and you know, people are people are afraid of getting their kids taken away. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I think there's so much fear and how we're perceived that it can sometimes prevent us from being transparent about what we're feeling, what we're dealing with. And I will say, it sounds like in Lindsay's case, she was more vocal than most people are. You know, it was even Patrick before, you know, leading up to all of this, there were periods of time where he completely like shifted how he did his job he moved to remote work he was working from home in the basement so that he could be home and like more or less you know babysit Lindsay because Lindsay had confided in him that you know she mentally did not feel well she was suicidal she was afraid she might harm the kids Mm -hmm. you know and she's like I don't want to feel this way he supported her through checking into the psychiatric hospital things of that nature you know what I mean so it's not that she had a lack of a support system but also as somebody who is going through that you know you feel that you're a burden you feel you know your your brain is not working properly so you don't realize that you're not a burden that people aren't better off without you etc things like that so it's just such a devastating situation but yeah it seemed that she had taken some appropriate steps to try to get ahead of this issue. And for whatever reason, she was just having a very difficult time getting things under control. And at least from how other people perceived their interactions with her in the days leading up to these murders, she seemed to be doing better than she had been in a long time. And you know, we aren't there to say as Lindsay how she was doing, but clearly something internally, you know, does not translate with how people were receiving their interactions sure. with her, you know. So just some incongruency there, but important to note. So 
here we have that shift that I'm talking about. And, and this, you know, so I want to tread carefully here because there are two possibilities, right? We have a mom who was just at the pediatricians with Cora this morning. So maybe we don't know the content of this doctor's appointment. For sure. So we have two potential avenues here, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, this could either be a mom who is genuinely needing these things to get through with her night. You'll understand this as we go into it. Or yeah. it's someone who is looking to keep Patrick, her husband, out of the house long enough so she can commit these crimes, right? Ooh. And there is a divide again as to who's on what side, okay? In terms of the people listening to this, some people are going to think that this is her premeditating. This is her trying to get him out of the house so she can execute these killings and take her own life. And then we have other people who are going to say, hey, she was just doing these things. That doesn't mean that, you know, she had this premeditation going on. You got me? So yeah, okay, gotcha. I just yep. I just kind of want to set that scene here. So this is 4.02 p.m. And Lindsay searches online for Kids Miralax, which is a product that's used very frequently to treat constipation. Uh, she searched that from her phone. Okay. Just a few minutes later at 4.13, she searched for Takeout 3B. That's a restaurant that's nearby in Plymouth. Then immediately after she searched for Takeout 3B, she used Apple Maps on her phone to determine how long it would take to drive from Duxbury to 3B restaurant. Now, that said, and I'm not taking a side here at all. Okay. I'm just offering my own personal experience, okay? Okay. I'm a person who, like, if I'm asking somebody to pick something up, like, for example... You know, John, John, my boyfriend, we live together. I know you know that, but the viewers might not. So John, he works an hour and a half away. He has a massive commute. And there are times when, you know, I'll say, hey, John, can you pick up XYZ on your way home? And I will Google the distance, like the distance from here to that place or from his work in relation to that place just mm -hmm. as a matter of like courtesy because I'm like is what I'm asking reasonable you know what I mean like I don't want right. to grossly inconvenience anybody after they've had a long day and you know our understanding is that Patrick was also working full-time so I mean I, I just want to say that I don't think that's necessarily something that just nobody would ever do because I can personally say I've definitely done that before. Right. But obviously, within the context of this case, we're analyzing everything. And for good reason. We should be. But for sure. Yeah, I, I just want to say... children are dead. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we do need to do employ critical thinking skills here. Absolutely. So I'm just saying, you know, absolutely, this could be an indicator of premeditation. But also, unfortunately, on... The flip side, it could also not. You know, we we just it, it's so hard to say. Um, Absolutely. So I just wanted to point that out there because 
I just don't think that's necessarily like a nail in the coffin type offense. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, now, does it look good within the context of the situation? Like, obviously not. We have, like Cho was saying, we have three children who have had their lives taken from them way yeah. too soon. And it's important that we just look at all the facts here for what they are and that we look at things from every angle and overturn every rock. So that's our goal today. Now, like I said, that was at 4.13 that she did that search. Right now we're jumping to 4.47 p.m. Lindsay goes to the CVS website and she then calls the drugstore and asks if they have kids Miralax in stock. The manager told her no, but they said they had other similar medications. According to the manager, Lindsay's voice did not sound slurred or impaired at all, and it seemed to be just a very normal conversation that he otherwise would not have thought twice about. Now, that was 447. We're now at 453. At 453, Lindsay texts her husband, Patrick who was working at his home office in the basement. So he is at home at this time. He's just in the basement working. Okay. And she asked him if he would want to do takeout from 3V Restaurant. So um, they're both in the house. They're both in the house. They're both in okay. the house at this time. And she texts him asking him if he wants to do takeout from 3V Restaurant. She says, quote, I didn't cook anything. It's been a long day, end quote. Prosecutors said that this was unusual because they usually got takeout closer to home, but it was a restaurant that they had been to in the past. It's not like this is just some like completely random place, but it is somewhere that is like, you know, slightly outside of their like complete norm. This isn't like their everyday thing, but from time to time right. they would go to this restaurant. Okay. Patrick simply texted back. Yes. And Lindsay asked him to check the menu. Um, at 5.06, the previous interaction was at 4.53. Now we're at 5.06. Patrick texted his wife and asked her what she was going to order. Lindsay responded with a Mediterranean Power Bowl. And Patrick told her that he wanted the scallop and pork belly risotto, which... I know that this is a serious case, but I just need to say that Patrick, my man, has excellent taste in food because you know there's nothing this bitch loves more, more than, than a good fucking risotto. risotto. <laughs> so yeah, just to lighten the mood for a second. She, she really like, does. Literally my favorite risotto. food. <laughs> like it's if I so ever bizarre. go to a restaurant and they have a risotto, I'm like, give me like four of those. I will take all the risottos. She'll be here, like, go. oh my god, that's what you had. Yes, we went to. Oh my gosh, he's no longer working there, but I have. A friend named Rusty, who is now, like, a very well-established chef in Pensacola. He has, like, mm. several of his own businesses over the last few years that he's gotten off the ground. And, oh, my God, can that man make some food? So, if you're ever in the Pensacola, Florida area, check him out. And honestly, if you ever need risotto in Florida, holler at me because I've probably had it from all of the best cities because I'm a freak of nature who loves a good Dear grain. Lord. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> oh, man. So that was at 5.06. We praise Patrick's taste in food. God love him. Mm. Um, 5.10. So just a few minutes later, Lindsay called 3B Restaurant, and she placed their order. The hostess said that she noticed nothing out of the ordinary about the call, 
And she added that she was able to understand the defendant. Everything seemed, again, normal, just like the gentleman from CVS had previously reported about their encounter. Yeah. So five minutes later, 5.15, Patrick heads out the door to run those two errands. He's going to be picking up the children's Pedialax liquid stool softener is what Lindsay had texted to him in lieu of the Miralax because she was aware that they did not have that product in stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Patrick headed out to go retrieve that medicine for the kids and then to also pick up the takeout from 3 b Just a few minutes later, because that was at 5.15, we're at 5.32, and there is surveillance video that shows Patrick at CVS in the children's medicine aisle. 5.33, phone records show that Patrick called his wife, but she did not answer. At 5.34, Lindsay called her husband back, a call that lasted 14 seconds, telling him what medication she wanted. Prosecutors said Patrick said the call was quote, completely normal, end quote. But he later mentioned that it did seem like his wife was possibly in the middle of something. Weird. And That's eerie. Yeah, that it's such a disturbing thing to think about, especially, you know, hindsight, knowing what happened in the home that night. I, I just, it's, it's, eerie is the best word for it. It's very disturbing. Yeah. So, three minutes later, 5.37, Patrick completes his purchase at CVS, and he leaves. At 5.54, surveillance footage shows Patrick picking up his takeout order at 3B Restaurant and leaving. At 6.09, after arriving home, prosecutors say Patrick did not see or hear his wife or their children, so he called Lindsay's cell phone looking for them. He went to their bedroom, sorry, went to their bedroom and found it locked. When he was able to get inside, he saw blood on the floor and an open window. His wife was on the ground outside the house with wounds on her wrists and neck. She was conscious, and Patrick asked Lindsay, what did you do? She replied that she had tried to kill herself by jumping out of the window. During the ensuing 911 call, Prosecutors say Patrick can be heard asking his wife where the kids are. Lindsay replied, in the basement. When emergency medical technicians arrive, Patrick went to look for his kids and can be heard on the 911 call, entering the home in the basement and then screaming in agony and shock as he found his children, the prosecutors said. Cora and Callan, yeah, this is... Such a tough one. So he's the one that, you know, essentially found them. Uh, Cora and Callan. So those are the older two children, ages mm-hmm. five for Cora and three for Cat. I'm sorry. I, I completely misspoke. Callan is the youngest. Dawson is the middle child. Yeah. So we've got Cora, age five, and Callan, eight months. They're on the floor in the den area of the finished basement. And Dawson was alone on the floor in his father's home office. Dawson was the three-year-old. Each child, and this is this is disturbing, but it needs to be said so right. you guys can have context here. But if you can't handle the details of the 
actual cause of death, essentially. I would skip forward like 30 minutes, sorry, not 30 minutes, 30 seconds a minute or so. That that might be a good option for some of you who can handle the rest of the case, but maybe don't want to hear this in particular. So go ahead and skip forward 30 seconds a minute right now. I'll give you guys a second to do that. Okay, so hopefully those who have left and felt like they needed to just a moment have had the chance to do so. I'm going to go ahead and talk about what exactly Patrick saw when he found them. Okay. Uh, it said each child still had the exercise bands that were used to strangle the children tied around their neck when Patrick found them. Yeah, Patrick removed the bands immediately and could be heard begging his children to breathe uh, and continue to scream uncontrollably. She killed the kids. Cora and Dawson were pronounced dead at the hospital on arrival, essentially. There was nothing that could be done. Uh, Eight-month-old baby Callan did initially survive, but I'm going to let you guys know right now that Callan did end up passing away because I don't want to get people's hopes up in a situation like this. I feel like that's grossly unkind. Callan did not make it. So just want to be transparent about that moving forward. So this is the night of the murders. On the night of the killings, Patrick Clancy was interviewed by police at the hospital and stated that Lindsay, in his opinion, seemed to be having one of her best days. She was smiling, happy, and there was no indication to him that she was going to harm the kids. No one described her as acting like a zombie in the days leading up to the murder or on the day of the murder itself. That statement is relevant because previously, when she was kind of really in the throes of it, they said that she was zombie-like during some of her experiences trialing the medication, experiencing this immersive postpartum depression. That's something that had been used to describe her, and they were saying that she just did not appear this way leading up to the murders. Now, three days later, January 27th, this is when that sweet little infant, just eight months old, Callan, he succumbed to his fatal injuries late on that morning. Sorry, uh, say Friday. again, how many days later? Three days. So this is Friday, oh. January 27th. The murders took place on January 24th. So he passed at 11.18 a.m. on Friday, January 27th. So for three um, days, they sat there holding out hope, and it's just terrible. Just gets worse and worse. And most of the information that I just provided to you in terms of the timeline is from the actual arraignment. I watched the arraignment itself several times so I could make sure that I got everything very accurate. But now we're going to get to the actual arraignment, which I, I just can't even imagine this for poor Patrick especially. Because January 27th, that date's familiar to you all already because this is the same day that he's lost his third baby now. And then he has to go into this arraignment. Uh, So Lindsay woke up and was able to communicate with a whiteboard. Oh, no, I apologize. I want to clarify that January 27th here Mm -hmm. is also the date that Lindsay began came able to communicate 
it's the first date that I have under my arraignment tab. So disregard that the arraignment was not on January 27th. So disregard what I said a moment ago. But either way, this is all rapid succession. Baby Callan has now passed away. And then Lindsay wakes up and, you know, she's going to wake up able to communicate and now find that all three of the kids, unfortunately, were successfully murdered. Not only that, but, you know, we're going to find out that she has some pretty serious injuries that will be injuries for life. So she woke up and was able to communicate with a whiteboard while intubated. And one of the first things she asked was, if she needed an attorney, which does not sit right with a lot of people. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. that. That doesn't sit right yeah. with me there. Yeah, and, and I, I will say I'm one of those people. I just feel like, you know, if you wake up knowing what happened, that, that I don't want to say that wouldn't be my first question because I don't know. This, I've never obviously been in this exact situation. Well, I just feel that I would, Go ahead. I would expect the first question to be about the baby. Yeah, exactly. Or if she didn't know, because remember, she was taken away first. She might okay. not have even known the status of any yeah. of the kids or okay. any of the kids. You know, she might not have that information at all. So, yeah, that would be my first thought. Now, I did watch an. I've watched a lot of videos of a lot of people covering this. I can't even tell you now who said this, so I apologize for that. But just know that I've consumed a lot of content regarding this case. But there was a YouTuber I watched covering this who did say that, you know, just playing devil's advocate a little bit, that depending on who it was that she was talking to when she woke up, because that's unclear. Was it Patrick? Was it law enforcement? I don't know that. If it was law enforcement, you know, maybe the first thing that she says is, does she need an attorney? Because she's just trying to find out. Yeah, okay, know, that's true. Like, put it like, if you, you wake up and you don't know what the hell's going on, but you see a uniformed police officer standing in your hospital room. Exactly. And so I will say that once I heard that particular take... That, again, I was kind of like, okay, like, I can maybe... Or she may be handcuffed to the bed or something like that, you know? Exactly, exactly. And so, in a situation like that, it's like, okay, well, maybe that would prompt that as the first question. Maybe she doesn't have a full understanding of what's going on. You know what I mean? So, again, I definitely don't love that that's the first thing that she said. It caused a lot of questions for me. But I did think that the person who raised that question or that scenario, that it was a valid thing to consider. So worth pointing out, you know. So we're flashing forward a few days here. That first date that we were talking about, or I'm sorry, that last date that we were talking about was Friday, January 27th. We're now at February 5th. Dr. Paul Dizel was a psychologist that was hired by the defense to evaluate Lindsay's mental state. And Lindsay used his cell phone to call her husband and leave a voicemail to tell Patrick that she loved him. On February 6th, she used Dr. Dizel's phone again to call her husband. This time he answered, and during the call, she stated that after he left the house that night, she heard, quote, a male voice and had a moment of psychosis, end quote, telling her to kill the children 
and herself, and that this was her last chance to do so before the incident took place. Patrick said that he'd never heard her use the word psychosis before until she was with the defense psychologist using his phone. And Mm. based on what I've seen in other conversations with Patrick or other statements that Patrick has given, he's been pretty clear that I don't think he said that, meaning it in a nefarious way. Right. He's just saying that, like, she personally, like, he has never heard her use the term postpartum psychosis to describe what she was experiencing before. She'd always said postpartum depression. And now this is the first time where specifically psychosis is coming up. Okay. Okay. Right. So it's not that she was previously being treated for postpartum psychosis, just to be clear. So February 7th, two days later, Lindsay Clancy, she's 32 at this time, She wore a neck brace and a face mask as she appeared in Plymouth District Court via Zoom from her hospital bed. Uh, She was, at this time, facing two counts of murder and three counts each of strangulation and assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. This charge was upgraded. I'm sorry, it says upgraded charges are expected after the death of the youngest baby, but at the time that the charges were filed for this arraignment, they had not upgraded the charges yet. I I assume there has to be some type of a process for that, and that just had not been completed at the time. Yes. Lindsay's attorney, Kevin Reddington, said in court that Lindsay was over-medicated and on 12 prescription medications at the time and plans to argue that she lacks criminal responsibility. Mm-hmm. He notes that Patrick asked the doctor the week before all of this for help and said um, that Lindsay had said, please, you're turning her. I'm sorry, that Patrick had said, please, you're turning her into a zombie when corresponding with the doctors. The prosecution argued that Lindsay kept meticulous daily medication logs and that she was never on more than four to five medications at a time. And at the time of the murders, She was on three medications, and her husband reported to the police that Lindsay always took them as prescribed and seemed to be improving. She was going on outings with the family and had even been left alone with the kids without incident a couple of times during the month of January. Prosecution also painted a picture of a calculated killer who resented her children and executed a premeditated plan to have her husband out of the house long enough to successfully strangle her children and end her own life. Hmm. Ruddington, the attorney, announced that Clancy suffered spinal cord injuries and is now paralyzed from the waist down after jumping from the second floor window in the moment after the murders. He stated that she can't walk. She can't even go to the bathroom. He also noted that her emotional state was not well at all in response to the prosecution, who said that mentally she was fine. He said that that, that's simply not the case. He said that Clancy is a danger to herself and is suicidal, and that prisons are innately deficient in treating medical conditions, and that as a society, there are inadequate resources available for women suffering from postpartum anxiety, depression, and psychosis. Absolutely. He said... Yeah, and he really hit the nail on the head here, I will say. Like, regardless of what we believe about Lindsay's case, 
I think in regards to his stance here, he was really hitting the nail on the head. He went on to say that as a society, there are inadequate resources available for women so suffering from postpartum anxiety, depression, and psychosis, and that we abandon women with this condition and rapidly change medications in such a way that can cause dangerous increased side effects, such as suicidal and homicidal ideation and psychosis. He noted that she would be of low fright risk low flight risk due to her paraplegia. The judge proceeding on the case noted an abundance of character letters about Lindsay from co-workers, friends, and family that were submitted for his review. He ultimately ruled that Lindsay would remain in her current hospital until her transfer to a 24-7 rehabilitation facility and that she would signed probation paperwork requiring her to complete ongoing mental health care. If 24-7 rehabilitation was completed, the court would then determine if ongoing mental health treatment is needed in a residential treatment facility, at which point the prosecution and the defendant would both be heard. There potentially could be the option for probation with ankle bracelet home monitoring if all rehab and inpatient mental health care needed is complete. Exceptions would be made for medical appointments, rehabilitation appointments, and religious practices. No monetary bail was set at the arraignment hearing because at that time she had not completed the prerequisite of 24-7 rehabilitation at an inpatient facility. Okay. Yes. So that said, the final thing that I'm really going to touch on here is Patrick and his response to all of this. So I know that this is a a big case. We're we're already at an hour, but I think it's so important to highlight Patrick here because he Yeah, I wanna I wanna hear what what's going yeah. on with Patrick for sure. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who are not happy with Patrick because Patrick has said that he fully forgives Lindsay. He doesn't think that she was of sound mind. And that the Lindsay he knows essentially never would have done something like this. That this was due to a mental defect. And he says, and this is a direct quote that I'm reading from his GoFundMe right now. This is an update on January 28th, the day after baby Callan passed away. He says, I want to ask all of you that you find it deep within yourselves to forgive Lindsay as I have. He says, the real Lindsay was generously loving and caring towards everyone, me, our kids, family, friends, and her patients. The very fibers of her soul are loving. All I wish for her now is that she can somehow find peace. A lot of people have said that they can't imagine, and they're right. There's absolutely nothing that can prepare you. The shock and pain is excruciating and relentless. I'm constantly reminded of them, and with the little sleep I get, I dream about them on repeat. Any parent knows it's impossible to understand how much you will love your kids until you have them. The same goes for understanding the devastation of losing them. Opening up about his youngest child's death, Patrick wrote that Callan died with enormous courage despite being so little. He said maybe it was his way of demonstrating what I need to do to press forward. I'll always know to draw my inspiration from him. He'll always be my little hero. Patrick went on to say that 
his marriage with Lindsay was wonderful and diametrically grew stronger as her condition rapidly worsened. He said that he took much pride in being her husband, as he did in being a father, and felt persistently lucky to have Lindsay in his life. He says, I still remember the very moment I first laid eyes on her, and can recall how overcome I was with the kind of love at first sight that you only see in movies. He said the two would start every morning with a big hug, and would say I love you to one another throughout each day. She loved being a nurse but nothing matched her intense love for our kids and dedication to being a mother. It was all she ever wanted. Her passion taught me how to be a better father. He also posted a heartbreaking tribute to his two older children, and he recalled their personalities and quirks that made him love them so dearly. And I think this is so important, too, because there's not enough information on these children out there, and I wish there was more. I dug as much as I could, but this is really what I could find and I, I think yeah. it's so important to honor their memory with what little we do have. He described Cora as having an infectious laugh and said that she was stunningly beautiful. She was the cautious one, but it was really because she was so caring. Dawson had beautiful, bold brown eyes that beamed with friendship. He was naturally humorous and generous beyond the norm of a typical toddler always willing to share his toys with others. Cora, Dawson, and Callan, he said, you gave me so much in your short time. I don't know if the pain will ever go away, but I will do my best to carry on in your honor. Dada loves you so much and will always remember you. Oh my God, my voice just like broke. I almost cried. Send help. This is such a tough one. She almost did a so, feeling, guys. That's not that's God. Not I don't do feelings, but I almost. I mean, this yeah. definitely does me some feelings, especially having to read that like out loud. It's yeah. so personal, for sure. So, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the funeral as well, just to touch on that part of things, so we can kind of close this in its totality for right now with where things stand and what we know. Yeah. The the funeral was overseen, I guess, I guess is the word that we would use here, yeah. by the Reverend Robert J. Dean, pastor of Holy Family Church in Duxbury. And in October of 2022, this is the same gentleman who had actually baptized Callan Clancy. That's the baby, the infant. Yeah, so he had baptized him just a few short months prior. Friday, February 3rd was the date of the funeral. And I apologize, I got that wrong. The Duxbury Church location, the family church, that is where Reverend Robert Dean did baptize Callan. And then at on Friday, February 3rd, the funeral was also hosted by him. But this was at St. Mary of the Nativity in Skituate. They did not do the funeral at their usual parish just for privacy purposes sure. which I, I completely can empathize with that i can't say i understand but i can i can empathize i mean um, just from a logical standpoint it checks out you know right absolutely patrick said that he wanted the funeral to be held in a familiar church and that his parents are situate residents and he wanted it to also be away from duxbury because of the memories that happened there. That's a statement that he gave to the Herald. The church opened its doors Friday morning for 23 hours 
for community members to quietly reflect and pray for the family and ended that open door morning, essentially, on Saturday, February 4th at 8 a.m. It said that there was an exceptional turnout to honor these children's memories, and I'm so glad that that was the case and that they were able to still have service in a place that was familiar to them, but, you know, distancing themselves a bit from the tragedies in Duxbury. It sounds like that was important to him, and I can understand why. But as of right now, that's where we're at on this case. At the time of this recording, Lindsay is still receiving 24-7 rehabilitation. No supporting documentation or scheduled trials are set at this time that I'm, I'm aware of. I've dug for them, but I can't find anything. It seems like we're right now just waiting on her to make the medical progress to see what right. next steps in this case might look like. I do want to reiterate, we love engagement here, and we love keeping an open dialogue with you guys. But for the sake of the family, especially with such an open and current case, we just ask that you please keep it respectful for this family. They're already going through the worst thing Enough. that you can really imagine. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing that we want to do is contribute to that narrative in a negative way. But the story keep does it, keep deserve it to be told. Guys. Let's, yeah. That's a good asshole. way to put that toe. Just, good job. <laughs> and then she says, don't be an asshole. I mean, just don't be an asshole. Like it's that it's yeah. it's that simple. Yeah, don't be an asshole. Keep it constructive. Couldn't You're all grown. You know right from wrong. Absolutely. So that's where we're going to leave it today. We are going to round this out with our usual socials. You know, we're now on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Patreon. Patreon, Bonfire, mm-hmm. uh, all of which our handle is Say Psycho right now. Best place that you can go to to get all of our most current links is our link tree. That's our lifeline. You can find our link tree in the bio description of our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And, and I think um, Podbean as well, right? Oh yeah, and Podbean. Yeah. Good, good, good catch there, Toe. Oh, so yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank of you. course, of course. Quap quap. We encourage you, if you're able, to check out our Patreon. That is where we hopefully get a little bit of money to offset the cost of us doing this. It enables us to create yeah. more content for you guys. We're, we're not bullshitting, is guys. Just... This is not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, I just had to drop $180 on a laptop today because mine cracked while it was in the hospital getting emergency surgery last week. So there's my sob yeah. story. Give me $3, please. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Yeah. And, but we love doing it. This is we so do. fun. Now, that said, if you are not in a position to become a Patreon, we fully and yeah. completely understand. We don't, we don't um, need your last $3. Like, we're not that poor. No, exactly. But, so, you know, don't break your back giving us $3 for the love of all things holy. But if, if you have you a lot cannot, of dollars and you want to spare three of them, we wouldn't be opposed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely would not be opposed. This is a horrible touch. Um, <laughs> just sent uh, a little, like, embroidered something that says <laughs> what she said. We'll put it on our little podcast recording area. Um, but no, for, 
That's like no, we don't. We literally. I'm like on my couch right now. We're so ratchet oh. right now, guys. We're doing the best we can with what we have. But yeah. anyway, if you become a Patreon, we can do better and be better for you. If you cannot, and we be might have a, a Patreon, podcast recording area. We might. That might yeah. be a thing that we have. We, we wouldn't just be whores on the couches and we've, blankets. We've been discussing decor for this hypothetical space for a while, actually. We have, and most of it includes like, my bottled jars. organs. <laughs> yeah, all my emergency removed organs. So, yeah, make that space for us. But, no, for real, if you can't be a Patreon, there is a completely free way that you can support us, and it is by liking, subscribing, and sharing our content. Yeah, like uh, our shit. Our shit's good. Like it. It is. And if you like it in your brain, then like it with the button. It helps, and it's free, and it takes two seconds. It's great. It's great for everybody. We love it. And the only other thing that I really want to touch on today is our bonfire. Right now, that is where we are selling shirts. They are fundraising shirts, so you'll notice that they're, you know, a little more than a t-shirt that you're going to go and get at the Walmart or something, you know, but they're special. I literally made them just for you. And if you can support it, that will help us in a couple of ways. The excess funds we can put towards, you know, our, our costs, essentially, and also by wearing our shirt you're representing our brand and telling people you like us and to check us out and that helps yeah. us as well so definitely consider that we're only going to have these shirts up for a while longer they aren't going to be up there forever eventually we will have a store for you guys as well that's under works but for right now sure we just is. have this one shirt and this is our og shirt so like this is a shirt that you wear if you want to be like that hipster per- person coming for clout and being like, yeah. I found them first. I found and them I'll be first. like, show me the shirt to prove it or else I won't believe you. And then you don't have the shirt. And then now I don't believe you, you whore. Mm-hmm. So buy the shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Love you guys you so much. Like, Thank you guys. I found LJ and Toe back when they were PJ and Finger. <laughs> PJ and Finger? Get out of here. I hated that. <laughs> And I'd be like, you, you never, you never knew them. Show me the shirt right now, you lied. Back, <laughs> PJ and Finger, you liar! I can never believe you because you don't have the shirt. So yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in and putting up with our bullshit. I know this was a heavy case. I needed but to crack a finger joke after that. I really <laughs> needed you to. I needed a good laugh just to clear the old noodle before I have to go to bed. It's now midnight. Why do you say noodle so much? I mean, I love it. Don't um, stop doing it, but it makes me think of noodles. Tra- and you know, I don't call, tolerate carbohydrates well. So, no, you dirty little diabetic. Uh, yeah, that's me. Okay, see you, sickos, next week. Toodaloo. Well, I guess we won't see you. But you'll hear no, us. You'll- Unfortunately for you all, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Bye.
did we perform a fuckaroonie?